We're going to start off in the New Testament, the very last book of the New Testament, the book of Revelation, and then we're going to make our way forward, or if I guess you'd say backwards this, in this case, uh, to one of the very first books of the Bible. So we're going to be in the book of Revelation to get started this morning. John the Apostle wrote the book of Revelation, and uh, of course this uh, revelation of what the Lord had revealed to uh, John as it relates to the end times and uh, the way that uh, the Lord is going to come back and take His people up in the air to be with Him and then what will happen thereafter. But in Revelation chapter number 1, we see a very practical subject and a very practical topic. And so, though there's much prophecy uh, dealing with eschatology and end times, there's a lot of practical truths and applications in the book of Revelation. So in Revelation chapter number 1, We're going to begin reading in verse 12. We're going to read verse 12 and verse 13, and then skip down to the last verse in the first chapter. Revelation chapter number 1, verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and gird about the paps with a golden girdle. Now skip down to verse number 20. Notice Revelation 1 verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels, or the pastors, or messengers, of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Now, I'm going to ask you to make a place mark or something in your Bibles in the book of Revelation chapter number 1. We will be coming back to Revelation uh, later on in the message, but now we're going to make our way uh, back in the Word of God to the book of Exodus, the second book of Holy Scripture, the book of Exodus, and primarily we're going to look at Exodus chapter number 25. Now remember, Exodus is the book that basically details the pattern and the uh, the building and creation of the tabernacle. And so notice Exodus chapter number 25. We're going to begin reading in verse 31 down through verse number 40. Exodus chapter 25, verses 31 through 40. And thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold. Of beaten work shall the candlestick be made. His shaft and his branches, his bowls, his knops, and his flowers shall be of the same. And six branches shall come out of the sides of it, three branches of the candlestick out of the one side, and three branches of the candlestick out of the other side. Three bowls made like unto almonds, with a knop and a flower in one branch, and three bowls made like almonds in the other branch, with a knop and a flower. So in the six branches that come out of the candlestick. And in the candlesticks shall be four bowls made like unto almonds with their knops and their flowers. And there shall be a knop under two branches of the same, and a knop under two branches of the same, and a knop under two branches of the same, according to the six branches that proceed out of the candlestick. Their knops and their branches shall be of the same, all it shall be one beaten work of pure gold. And thou shalt make the seven lamps thereof, and they shall light the lamps thereof, that they may give light over against it. And the tongs thereof, and the snuff dishes thereof, shall be of pure gold. Of a talent of pure gold shall he make it with all these vessels. 
and look that thou make them after their pattern which was showed thee in the mount. The title of the message this morning is The Golden Candlestick. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time we can be in your house today. Lord, though we be few in number, we ask that you would uh, meet with us and speak to us and Lord, help us to pay attention to you and your word. And Lord, teach us what you want to be taught. Obviously, there's a purpose that you gave to John, the words to pen in the book of Revelation, referencing the golden candlestick uh, here revealed in, in the tabernacle and how that relates to uh, your churches. And I pray that you'd give us this truth and Lord, make it practical for us today that we might be a church that honors and glorifies you. We thank you for what you've done We look forward to what you'll yet do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The golden candlestick. The Lord's church is referred to as a golden candlestick. Now clearly, as we read in the book of Revelation where John says that he has this vision of the Lord Jesus in the midst of these seven golden candlesticks, this is clearly a reference to this piece of furniture uh, that was used in the tabernacle. And of course, that is the golden candlestick. Now, John's John's vision of Jesus shows that Jesus is in the midst of the seven churches of Asia. And of course, he refers to these seven churches of Asia as seven golden candlesticks. Now, these churches recall the seven churches of Asia, which are detailed in Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter number 3. These are churches that were examples of the types of churches that would always be in existence until the Lord returns here on the earth. Now, you and I, uh, we should be curious about the Word of God. And you and I should question the significance of John, the Lord Jesus, really, using the metaphor of the golden candlestick to describe the church. Why did he use this metaphor? Well, that's our focus this morning. We want to consider the church as the golden candlestick. And I want us to note primarily three ways, three ways in which the Lord's church is reflected as the golden candlestick. And here they are, these three ways. The candlestick's substance, the candlestick's structure, and the candlestick's service. We see the church reflected in the golden candlestick in these three ways. And so... Let's consider the first way, the candlestick's substance. Now, we said already that the candlestick is the metaphor, the golden candlestick is the metaphor that the Lord Jesus and John uses to describe the church in Revelation chapter number 1 and then as well chapter 2 and chapter 3. And so literally, the the golden candlestick is used by the Lord to picture the church. So I want you for just a moment to think about the candlestick and think about the the golden candlestick that we read about in Exodus chapter number 25 verses 31 through 39 uh, how does this picture the church well the first way that it does so is through the candlestick's substance the substance now we read in Exodus chapter number 25 and verse number 31 uh, and again, uh, I ask you to keep your place in, in, in both books of Scripture, the New Testament book of Revelation that we'll come back to here in just a little bit. But in Exodus chapter number 25 and verse number 31, Moses writes, And thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold. 
The only substance that was used to make the candlestick was gold. And we're going to talk about the fact that it was pure gold here in just a moment. But when we talk about the ways in which the church is reflected in the golden candlestick, we see that it is reflected in the candlestick substance that it was made from gold. Now I want you to think about gold for a moment. And I want you to think first of all, first of all about the price of gold. The price of gold. Gold is mentioned nearly 500 times in the Bible. It is depicted as a valuable precious metal and the scriptures always associate it with wealth. In fact, Abraham in Exodus or in Genesis chapter number 12, chapter number 13, he's described as a man of wealth of much gold. The tabernacle that we're talking about this morning was literally overlaid with gold. Solomon, the richest man on earth in his day, was uh, had a substance that consisted of gold. And so gold is associated with wealth. It is associated with value. Now the candlestick was made of one large piece of gold. It wasn't a number of bricks or or, or uh, different ingots of gold that were brought together and melted. This was one large piece of gold that the, that the candlestick was made from. In fact, uh, notice in Exodus chapter number 25 and verse number 39 here. Uh, well, actually, let's go back up and read Exodus chapter number 25 and verse number 31. He says, And thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold. Of beaten work shall the candlestick be made. This is indicative of the fact that it was one piece of gold that would be hammered and molded into the candlestick. Now the candlestick, as made of one large piece of gold, actually was a very valuable and pricey piece of furniture in the tabernacle. If you now go down to verse number 39 that we read a little bit earlier, notice he says, Moses writes, Of a talent of pure gold shall he make it with all these vessels. Now, the word talent is a is descriptive of a measurement of money and, and, and weight. And so the common talent weighed 60 pounds. But when the talent was used as a source of measurement and, 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 and value in making the tabernacle, they used something called a sacred talent. Now the sacred talent was double the weight of the common talent. So literally, the candlestick would have weighed about 120 pounds. Now, do you know what the price is today for 120 pounds of gold? You know, if I were to say to you, hey, I'm going to hand out some gold bricks, you know, people would be lining up to receive those. Gold is valuable. Gold is pricey. And the price today for 120 pounds of gold is roughly $2.4 million. And so what we derive from this, we're talking about ways in which the church is reflected in the golden candlestick. We're talking about the candlestick substance. It's, it's made out of gold. And we're looking at its price and really its value. The, the candlestick was a very valuable piece of furniture used in the tabernacle. And so we make the application the church is of equal value today. The church is of great value to the Lord. In Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 44, the Lord speaking in parables says this in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44, 
Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Now, I preached and taught on this parable in years past. There's much disagreement as to what the, the field and the meaning of this parable is, but I believe that this is referring to God's elect. I refer that it, or I believe that it's referring to those who He chooses out of the world, and that would include uh, people of all kindred tongues, peoples, and nations, including Gentiles, that He saves, and they are material to be members of His church. In fact, remember, the church is not the brick and mortar. The church is the people. The church is a called-out assembly. And so, I believe that this is referring to the material for His church. The church is of great value today. A lot of times today, we focus, and I just mentioned praying about the elections, we focus on the political process, we focus on the economy, we focus on all of these different ideas and topics, but the most valuable institution on earth today is the New Testament church. This is the way that the Lord spreads the gospel, and we'll talk more about that here in just a moment. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but we're talking about the candlestick substance as a way that the church is reflected in the golden candlestick. It's made out of gold, and so we see its price, its value, but then secondly, we see its purity. Notice in, in, Revel, or in Exodus chapter 25, verse number 31, it says, Thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold. Of pure gold. And so the candlestick was not just made out of gold, it was made out of pure gold pure gold and I believe that the Lord would have his churches to be pure churches when we talk about the Lord's ecclesia or his assemblies they are to be pure churches the apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and he stressed this in 2nd Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 2 where he wrote for I'm jealous over you with godly jealousy for I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. What does the word chase mean? It means pure and clean. And so the Lord's churches are to be pure churches just as the candlestick was to be made of pure gold. Now, churches are made up of saved people. That's what churches are made up of. Saved people who have who have given a testimony that they've been saved by the grace of God and they want to serve the Lord in this particular church. And because churches are made up of saved people, and the Lord's churches are to be pure, God's people then are to be pure. We are to lead lives that are characterized and marked by purity. And so, obviously, the question then uh, should come to us, how do we become pure? Just like the gold that was pure gold, how do we become pure? And the answer to that is very simply, the refining process. The refining process. We talked about this a number of months ago when we preached it. Faith Baptist Church and we preached out of 1 Peter chapter number 1 on the trial of our faith and the refining process but I just I want to go over this refining process this morning because I told you this is very practical applications that the Lord has for us do you know that the refining process basically consists of three stages three stages first of all there is the crushing stage and so if you've ever seen somebody panhandling for gold once gold is found within ore. Rock must be crushed into small particles 
so that the gold can be cleansed of unwanted dross. It's got to be rid of the impurities which we refer to as dross. Job referenced this in his own life. In Job 23 and verse number 10, where the Bible reads, But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. What's he talking about? He's talking about he would be pure and clean in his ways before the Lord. So is there, there, is the, there is the crushing stage. But the gold then moves from the crushing stage to the crucible stage. Here, mineral deposits are liquefied under intense heat and the gold is separated from the impure deposits again, which is referred to as dross. Peter wrote about that process spiritually in 1 Peter chapter 1. In verse number 7 where he writes that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth though it be tried with fire. So how do, how do the Lord's churches become that pure gold that the candlestick was made of? It's through the refining process. It's through the, cra- uh, the crushing stage, the crucible stage, and then finally the conforming stage. Now gold is, is ready to be formed in this stage into whatever shape the refiner desires. It can be stretched, it can be molded, it can be beat into shape. And this is literally what happened with the candlestick, that piece of gold, that that mass of gold that the Lord commanded should be molded and made into the golden candlestick. We already read in verse number 31 that it uh, it should be a candlestick of pure gold of beaten work. Then in verse number 31 here where we read about this beaten work, we note that the word beaten work, the two words beaten work literally means molded by hammering. Molded by hammering. So you know what that tells us? The imperfections in our life must be hammered out by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God making it applicable in our lives. So I want to ask you this morning, when is the last time you considered in your life what is wrong? What is in your life that should not be in your life that is, that is hindering you from being that pure gold that the Lord says His churches are to be made out, out of? Now listen, I know, my, I know the things in my life, and I can tell you I'm not going to. That's between me and the Lord. But you have things in your life that need to be beaten out. They need to be refined out <coughs> so that we might be the pure gold and the pure church that the Lord desires. And so, how does the church, how is the church reflected in the golden candlestick? Well, first way, the first way is its substance, pure gold. The second way we see the church reflected in the golden candlestick is the candlestick's structure. Now, again, I want you to picture what the candlestick looked like. And when we studied the tabernacle years ago here at Tabernacle Baptist Church, we had specific lessons on each of the pieces of the furniture. And I, if you remember, I had handed out copies of what these pieces of furniture were purported to look like. The altar of incense, the table of showbread, the uh, mercy seat with the cherubims and, and the Ark of the Covenant and uh, you know, outside in the outer court, the 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 uh, altar and the laver and so forth. We we specifically looked at what these pieces of furniture are believed to have looked like. And if you picture the candlestick, 
We're not talking about one candlestick in which you would put a long piece of wax in. We are literally talking about something that weighed approximately 120 pounds made out of pure gold that would have somewhat like a pedestal like here and that would have a shaft that would rise up and out of that you would have something that would look like this and on and the the middle piece would go up to the top and then you on each side you would have three different stems and on those stems you would have little bowls in which you would put oil and there would be a wick in those and that's how that candlestick was used to give light to the priest as he went in to the most or into the holy place in the tabernacle so there were multiple parts to the structure of the candlestick. The candlestick also included the accessories like the tongs and the snuffers. And it included ornamentation like wreaths that were crafted in to the candlestick. Our focus today is only on the working parts of the candlestick. And right now we're only speaking to two working parts. That, and we'll consider uh, another two of the working parts when we consider our last point, the candlestick service. Now we're talking about the candlestick structure. How is the church reflected in the golden candlestick? Well, first of all, as we think of the, the candlestick structure, it's reflected in the shaft. The shaft. Back in Exodus chapter number 25 and verse number 31, again note, And thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold. Of beaten work shall the candlestick be made his shaft his shaft. Literally the word shaft here means base or its pedestal. It is the trunk and body of the candlestick and I use the example of this of this uh, stand that we're using today. Literally it would be like this that would have this shaft or this stand that would protrude up and out of this the several parts of the rest of the candlestick would be united. Now we need to think about how that this uh, sheds light on how the church is reflected in the golden candlestick. Well, first of all, Christ is the base. He is the pedestal and the foundation of the church. He is what the church rests upon. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11, the Bible reads, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Any church that does not have Christ as the shaft or the base or the pedestal or the foundation cannot possibly be considered a church of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, the Lord Jesus Christ said Himself in Matthew chapter number 16 and verse number 18 that He would establish, He would build His church. And so, beloved, we have to keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ and make sure that Jesus not only is, but remains as the head of Tabernacle Baptist Church. Christ is the base pedestal or foundation of the church, just like the base pedestal of the candlestick was used for the function of the other parts of the candlestick. And then notice, secondly, we're talking about how that the church is reflected in the golden candlestick and the candlestick structure in the shaft. Uh, Christians are to be united around the base. Now we said that we said that the the base or the trunk or the body of the candlestick stood in the middle, and it is, it was that in which the several parts of the candlestick were united. Listen, Christians are to be united around the base of the church. 
Christians are to be united around the foundation of the church. Unity is a main topic of the Apostle Paul's writings in the New Testament. We've been looking at the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter number 4, unity in the first 17 verses of Ephesians chapter number 4, unity is the main theme of Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 through 17. Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. And he said this in Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 2, Fulfill ye my joy that ye, and remember the word ye means all of you, that ye be like-minded. What does that mean? It means be united around the Lord Jesus Christ. That ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. He's talking about unity. And then, of course, in the book to the church that was troubled as a, as a carnal, worldly church, the church at Corinth, in his first letter or epistle to the church at Corinth, Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 and verse number 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Do you see the illustrative wording that the Apostle Paul uses that you be perfectly joined together? Just like that candlestick made out of, hammered out of, molded out of one piece of pure gold was perfectly joined together with the branches protruding off of the main base or pedestal, the Lord Jesus Christ. Any church that is divided cannot stand. In fact, the Lord Himself said in the New Testament, a house divided cannot stand. And so the shaft uh, of the candlestick structure points us to the relationship between the church and the golden candlestick. But you know what else does? Not only, not only the working part of the shaft or the base or the pedestal, but the branches. The branches. Again, in Exodus chapter number 25 and verse number 31, And thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold, of beaten work shall the candlestick be made, his shaft and his branches. What were the branches? In the Hebrew, it's literally branches of the lampstand. It's those individual branches, one in the middle, protruding off of the main base, the main pedestal, and then three on each side. This is how the light would be dispersed. They didn't have wax candles that they used. They had these, these branches that would protrude off. And so literally, we find a description of these branches in verse number 32. Look at Exodus 25, verse 32. And six branches shall come out of the sides of it, three branches of the candlestick out of one side, and three branches of the candlestick out of the other side. What is interesting to note about these branches is that they were equal distance apart. So there were seven branches on this candlestick or lampstand, and each of the branches were an equal distance apart. What does this tell us? That in a New Testament church, there is not only to be unity as evidenced in the base or the pedestal or the shaft, but there is equality. One branch was not more important than the other branch. All the branches were equal distance apart and all of the branches served the same 
function, and that was to give light, which we'll talk about here in just a little bit. You know, a church has problems when there begins to be partiality. And the members are not all equal. And the pastor's got his special little crew that he rolls with. Or members have their special own little clique. And frankly, and I'm just going to be up front with you, most of the times it relates to family. You know, and oh, you got to treat my kids and my, pe- my people better because after all, they're my people and my kids. Guess what? There's equality in the Lord's church. Not one member is better than the other. The pastor is not better than the members. The pastor just has a different role than the members. And so we are to heed the fact that in the church being reflected in the golden candlestick, we are to see in the branches uh, unity. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 20, Paul writes and he says, But now are they many members, yet one body. We are many different members. And yet, members here at Tabernacle Baptist Church make up this body, which is another metaphor for the church, and we're of equal footing. We are not, one is not better than the other. One is not to be preferred amongst another. We are to prefer each in a like manner. James wrote about the topic of partiality and the danger and the hypocrisy of partiality. I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of James chapter number 2. Notice James chapter number 2 all the way forward in the New Testament. <coughs> Just a few books back uh, from the book of Revelation. And you notice James chapter number 2 and specifically verses 1 through 4. James chapter number 2, verses 1 through 4. James writes, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. Now watch. For if there come unto your assembly, could I say that he's talking about a church? If there comes one into your church, if there come one unto your assembly, a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, And there come in also a poor man in vile raiment. And ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing. And that means the, you know, the pricey clothing, not what it means today. And say unto him, sit thou here in a good place. And say to the poor, stand thou there or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves? Now watch. And are become judges of evil thoughts. He is condemning partiality in the church we are to be of equal footing and on equal footing in the Lord's church there is not to be partiality we are not to favor one over the other and again the apostle Paul in 1st Corinthians chapter number 12 talks about all the functions of the church and each individual member are we supposed to look upon somebody in the church that functions uh, in a way in such that uh, an internal organ would function in a body you know and they're not very visible and they're not out front but what they do is key and integral to the body staying alive we're not supposed to have partiality to those that are out in the forefront and those that are more notable in their service we're supposed to have unity and equality in the lord's churches and in that way the church is reflected in the golden candlestick in her structure and then there's a third way in which the church is reflected in the golden candlestick, and that is the candlestick's service. The candlestick service. What was the purpose of the candlestick? 
Well, what is the purpose of a candle? What, what, you know, what do you use a candle for? Now, I know that there would be some ladies that would say, well, they make great decorations. You know, and man, they got, uh, you know, I don't even know if this is a store now, but, you know, uh, they used to have stores that were just entirely devoted to candles. Like, I think it was Yankee Candle. I mean, I remember out in Virginia when we went out to Norfolk in Virginia Beach on vacation, and they had an outlet store that was a huge store. Only candles, Okay. So candles can be decorative, but what is the purpose of the candlestick? It's to give light. It's to give light, right? So the purpose is to provide light in a dark place. Now we go back to Exodus chapter number 25, and I want you to notice in verse number 37, Exodus chapter 25 and verse number 37, And thou shalt make the seven lamps thereof, and they shall light the lamps thereof, that they may give light over against it. So the purpose of the candlestick was to give light. Now, we said we'd talk about a couple of the other working parts of the candlestick. The candlestick was made with 22 total bowls, or you could refer to them as goblets. There were three on each branch and four on the main shaft or the main pedestal. You find We're not going to take the time to go back and read this, but this is mentioned in, in uh, Exodus 25, verses 33 and 34. The bowls held the oil that was lit, lit with the wick that would burn to give the light. The candlestick was made with seven lamps that we just read about here in verse number 37. Each of the lamps had a wick. The high priest would go in and light that wick in the evening sacrifice so that it would burn and by the way is to burn continually uh, so that it would give forth light do you know light is so important have you ever been in a situation where your power went out and you had no lights and you couldn't find the the stinking uh, flashlight and you could have swore that you replaced the batteries in the flashlight now the battery's not working the flashlight's not working Man, listen, it's an uncomfortable time. In fact, I tell you, one of the ways that, that, that folks that hate this country could attack it as a terrorist attack would be to take down our power grid. You talk about a blackout in major cities, we're in trouble. We need light. A.B. Simpson, who founded the Christian Missionary Alliance, he wrote this about the importance of light. Light was the first created object of the natural world and its chief glory. It is essential to the existence of light. It's that which clothes everything with beauty and color. It is that which gives the glory to the rainbow and ruby, which makes the diamond anything but a little bit of charcoal, and it is that which gives us everything beautiful in our human relationships and in all the wonders of the natural world. We need light. Jesus is mentioned and spoken of in the New Testament in the book of John as the light of the world. And what does the candlestick do? The candlestick is lit to give forth light. The candlestick gives forth light just as the church gives forth light in the world, which is a dark place. In Matthew chapter number 5, verses 14 through 16. Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. The Lord says to the church, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. 
Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know the purpose of the candlestick was to give light. The purpose of the New Testament church is to give the light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to the world. It is to be reflected in our words. It is to be reflected in our walk. We are to point others to the the Lord Jesus Christ that they might be saved by the grace of God. That's the purpose of the church. We are not a social institution. We are not here for family time. We are here to serve, honor, and worship the Lord. And we serve Him by providing light in a dark place, just like the golden candlestick did in the holy place in the tabernacle. Now, oil, secondly, we're talking about the candlestick service and how the church is reflected in the golden candlestick. It's to provide light in a dark place. But oil is needed to be present for the candlestick to perform its service. In other words, if there was no oil in the, in the goblets or the bowls, then when Aaron went in to light the lampstand, there could no light be given because there would be no oil in the bowls. In Exodus chapter number 27 and verse number 20, listen to this, Exodus 27 verse 20, And thou shalt command the children of Israel that they bring thee pure olive oil beaten for the light, to cause the lamp to burn always. And so, folks, we know from studying the Word of God that the Holy Spirit is pictured by oil. And oil is expressive of the Holy Spirit, and oil, or the Holy Spirit, is needed in the lives of the children of God that make up New Testament churches in order for us to be the light of the world. Ephesians 5, verse 18. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. We must be filled with the oil of the Holy Spirit. We must be careful not to grieve the Holy Spirit. We must be careful not to quench the Holy Spirit, because we need that oil in our lamps so that we might perform our service just like as the candlestick was supposed to perform the service of Uh, providing light in a dark place that couldn't do it without the oil. So we need oil in our lives. And then thirdly, as it relates to the candlestick service, and we'll be done, we need to note the promise that the candlestick would be done away with if it was no longer performing its service. What do you do with a candle that is down to the very nub and can't be burned anymore? Do you keep it? I want to know how many ladies have those kind of candles for decoration, okay? What do you do with that candle? I'll tell you what you do with that candle. You throw it out. There have been times recently when I've been looking for a flashlight, and I find a flashlight, and that flashlight, the lens of the flashlight is broken and cracked, you know, and I put the batteries in it, and the bulb is just, you know, hardly shining. You know what I do? I take those new batteries out, and I throw the flashlight away. You know why? I don't need a flashlight for decoration. It's not serving its purpose. It's not putting forth any light. And so you know what you do with the candlestick that does not put forth light. You throw it away. There's a promise to that candlestick that is no longer performing its service. Now we go back to the book of Revelation. And I want you to notice specifically the Lord's message to the church 
of Ephesus in Revelation chapter number 2 and verse number 5 because here we see the promise that the Lord makes. And by the way, a promise does not necessarily have to be a positive thing. Okay, You know, you're raising children and, and, and some people say, well, you're threatening the child. No, I'm making a promise. You do this, you're going to be disciplined. It's not a threat, it's a promise. Okay, Watch the promise that the Lord makes to the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 5. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, what? And will remove thy candlestick out of its place, out of his place, except thou repent. Now, there's a very clear promise. And remember, the golden candlesticks are are the seven churches of Asia. And the Lord is saying, literally, that if a church is not performing its service, right? He says here in verse number 5, he says, uh, Repent and do the first works, or I'll come unto you and remove your candlestick. He's literally saying that a church that is no longer performing its function or its service is going to no longer be considered a church in the eyes of the Lord. And notice the pretext. Notice the pretext. That's the promise. But notice the pretext for the removal. Now, as I've already mentioned, we just read Exodus chapter number 27 and verse number 20. The lamp was to burn always. The candlestick was to burn continually. You find that again in Leviticus chapter 24 and also uh, Exodus chapter number 30. Now, literally, at the evening sacrifice, the high priest would go in and he would trim the, he would trim the, uh, uh, the lamp and he would make sure that there's oil in there filled and for, ready for the morning service and he would light the candlestick. But you know what? Uh, sometimes the oil would go out and the high priest would have to go in and make sure that it's continually burning. If the candlestick is no longer giving forth its light, what is the purpose of the candlestick? Adam Clark wrote this. Take away my ordinances, remove your ministers, and send you a famine of the word. As there is here an allusion to the candlestick in the tabernacle and temple which could not be removed without suspending the whole Levitical service. So the threatening here intimates that if they did not repent, he would unchurch them. They should no longer have a pastor, no longer have the word and sacraments, and no longer have the presence of the Lord Jesus. That's what Clark is saying the Lord meant in Revelation chapter number 2 and verse number 5. A church can exist with 10,000 people or ten or fewer. The Lord places no number. He says, where I'm, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm in the midst. It isn't the number of people, but it is the church doing what the church is supposed to do. When we get together and no longer preach the word and desire to go out and be the light of the world and witness and, and be what God wants us to be in the world, and we're only here for a social institution and a family gathering, rest assured the candlestick is going to be removed. But as long as we continue on doing what the Lord has commanded us to do in the Great Commission, which is an entirely different message in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, and that is going forth, as he said in Matthew 5, and, 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 and being the light of the world and reflecting the light, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord will allow us to continue as a golden candlestick. There are three ways in which the church is reflected in the golden candlestick. The candlestick substance, the candlestick structure, and the candlestick service. May God lay it on our hearts 
to desire to be that golden candlestick here at Tabernacle Baptist Church that He wants us to be. And you know what? I believe the Lord. And when we desire spiritual things that are right in His sight, I believe He grants those to us. You pray for me, and I'll pray for you. And let's all pray for Tabernacle Baptist Church.